Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a little while. We're here with podcast. Let's dive in. So my dad was here, and he had a football game on, and they had local news that came up after it, and I was it was just on the television. So I saw something that I hadn't seen in a while with these local news stories, and one of them was breaking down these I think high school football players going into college and they were talking about their GPAs. And one guy was like, dude, I got a 4.0. I was like, that's amazing. The other guy was like, I have a 4.6. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I have a 4.8. Yeah. And I was like, silly goose. Like they've been devaluing like objective standards of merit forever. And yeah. not to insult these particular guys, but uh, it just caused me to think because they do this in college as well. I yeah. went to, uh, I went to university of Virginia for grad school and the kid that fell asleep in the front row got the lowest possible score, which was a B minus. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't, you can't do worse than a B minus. Uh, he fell asleep just like literally in front of the professor because we had assigned seating and it would just snore. It was ridiculous. Uh, that, that basically there is no reason for high schools and colleges not to inflate the living hell out mm-hmm. of the grades that their students get because if they don't do it, somebody else will. Those students will have better results to employers and colleges that don't know the difference. And then they will have worse results to show for like why you should go to this high school or this district or this college, you know? So it's uh, just a race to the bottom in terms of these numbers mean nothing. And what used to be literally the absolute top of 4.0 is apparently you can just get five. Yeah, I think MIT has a out of five. My friend, my friend's like, I got a 5.0. I was like, that's not a thing. So, <laughs> it's going to be six it's, yeah. it's pretty soon. Well, Warden had a thing, which I thought was like at the time inflated, but you're making me realize now maybe that's just how it is. Or maybe they've gone even further. It was 30% get A's, A, min- a plus A's, A minuses. 40% get B plus B's, B minuses. 30% get C plus or lower. But no one's really getting enough. So like the worst you could do is yeah. get out of Wharton with straight C's. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was like, that's, great inflation. You know what I mean? You have 70% of people with B minuses or higher in a world where I thought it was supposed to be to F like as many, yeah, as (laughs) many people are getting A's. You don't want that many people getting F's, but it's like, Mm -hmm. it's a thing that can happen. Yeah. And now you're making me wonder if my, that because coming from our high school, I felt like that was not the case that I thought high school was harder than college. And so I wonder if all colleges are just like that. Where I you think just get college actually started it before high school. That's what I, I wonder if just 70% of people get B minuses or better all across the top colleges. It, it makes more sense because college is more competitive. It's like you don't really, most people don't choose their high school. But mm-hmm. if you're going to college, you're making a choice. It was point. just totally possible to get Ds at our high school. It was oh, like yeah. not hard. Falling to, asleep <laughs> at the beginning of class was a D and an F. Yeah. Like that, that existed. I tried my hardest on an AP physics test and got a D. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. It was just totally doable. You well, know I, mean? I managed to pull it out <laughs> with other tests and quizzes and shit. But like you had to try or you were going to fail. Yeah. I and also don't like the idea of grading on a curve for the upper limit as well. Like if what we're talking about is did you master the material? You know what I mean? Like, do you know physics well? Can you get the right answer on this? Like, okay, there is there is some merit to well, saying we're going to put it on a curve and we're going to say who's the absolute best. But like, Sorry, that's the Wharton School of Business that did this. The uh, engineering school did not do this. Did not grade on any curves. I had a friend in engineering who I will stand by this. He he got a 3.82. I had like a 3.9 something in Wharton. Hands down smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Every Wharton class he took, he got an absolute A, smashed it. And if I had had to take his engineering classes, I would not have just coasted to an A. Yeah. But they were just on different curves. And then he applied to all the same jobs that the word kids <laughs> did. And he had a three, eight, two, and no one understood that, that was more impressive than I don't remember mine, but like the three, nine, something that I had. And 
it sucked for him. And he's like, I went to the wrong school. I'm like, he wasn't a dick about it. He's like, I would have your resume if I just went to the Wharton school. I was like, you don't have to convince me. I know this. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he ended up having a harder time getting a job and had to go to a, you know, quote unquote, less prestigious company because of it, which is dumb, literally just because the engineering school hadn't had that same rate inflation. And the same thing is occurring. I mean, there's ratemindprofessor.com, which even existed when we were in school, which is you can just find out who gives the A's, like who doesn't do the curve or who has an easier oh, curve. Yeah. Or I like, did that yeah. for sure with my electives. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I was super interested in the nursing class I took. but <laughs> You also took Egyptology, right? That one was legit. Actually, yeah. you've reversed them. I took the nursing <laughs> class because it was, everybody got an A. I just actually thought Greek or uh, I think Egyptian it's cool mythology too. is interesting. I think it's really cool. So in the I don't think it has my, any bearing on your ability to perform at the hedge fund that you went to and should not have been factored into your three nine. Oh anything. yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? No, like for sure. I was just, dude, in between accounting and statistics, I was trying to like keep my eyes open. So yeah. learning about Anubis was well, actually I, interesting. I, I lo- I'm all for liberal arts education. I just don't think that representing it in the number f- for a hedge fund is of any oh, use. Oh no, if them. I had taken an extremely hard biochemistry class instead of Egyptology and gotten a worse grade because of it, it would have hurt my chances of getting a job. Yeah. So you just... Don't do that. And yeah, especially when they came out with a website that said how hard a course was. I mean, a lot of people took geology. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's got a four six today. So you're, <laughs> you're not even close. Oh, to, yeah. To, to the top. Dude, I was actually, what was I thinking about the other day? I'm so happy that I don't have to have a resume. I was talking to somebody about updating their resume and like how to frame the bullshit you did so yeah. that it looks good. And I remember that. I remember being like, how do I frame landscaping? How do I frame <laughs> cutting a lawn? You know what I mean? And then I had an internship at, because my parents knew a guy and I wanted to be a sports agent. I was at a sports agency. I didn't do anything. I made him a MySpace page. Yeah. It's a schmoozing job and it's Managed a job that requires a law to acquisition. Yeah. So it's like, listen, all, yeah. I'm not going to write a contract. I'm not a lawyer. You don't bring me to the schmoozing because I'm not 21. So I did nothing. And it's like, all right. I'm going to convince all these investment banks somehow that I did something of value when I really just fucked around for however long that internship was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm glad that that phase is over where you have to convince someone you're worthy of an interview. It's, it's so interesting because there, I think at that stage in your life, at least, I don't know if it's still the case when we were going through, there was a lot of advice, like join these clubs, do this thing. It looks good on your resume. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. And if, and it's, it's true in business. When you have to focus so much on marketing, it means you haven't put enough into the product. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if everything you're going is how, how you talk about it and discuss it in the ad. But it also works is the weird part. If you don't play an instrument or a sport, I think it's pretty tough to get into an Ivy League school because everybody has the same high school GPAs. Well, let me be Or have a fascinating life story, which is not really in your control up to the age 18. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we it, talked about this. People write in, how do I write my college essay? It's like, it's yeah, tough. You've not my, done my dad was in the Peace Corps. You. I was born in this random African country, traveled all around the world, speak three languages. Like, yeah, well, I didn't make that. Choice. I'm from the suburbs. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. My, like, my dad works near in Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. that's my life. I don't have a story where I went well, to I, Africa and dug it, a well. Is it possible? And then I think this is part of the issue is that like, how does one distinguish between the long-term capacity of an 18 year old effectively? It's like, it's tough to well, do. I mean, we talked about this. They're also trying to figure out if you can follow the rules. So like, yeah, you're just as smart as I am. You made different <clears throat> choices in high school in terms of courses that didn't uh, factor in what a college would look at. And so that eliminated you yeah. from certain colleges. Well, that's what they're doing on purpose. What Ben's trying to say is I had to get into his school when I applied. No, what I'm saying is you didn't take <laughs> Spanish. Or I didn't take. I took. I didn't take Spanish, and did, I didn't, didn't take the, the top language. math class either. Yeah, but you didn't have four years of language, which was a requirement for the school because you didn't. We weren't interested in that. Just so funny because the Spanish that people graduate speaking. No, this is what I'm from. saying is if you, dude. I got to write first year saxophone. I wasn't good at saxophone. That's yeah. the point I'm making. You like play sports but it doesn't matter if you're good at them and you play music, but it doesn't matter if you're good at them because mm-hmm. we're not actually in the Philharmonic. And so then you just have this resume when you're applying to a college that checks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. What they're really seeing is, are you willing to jump through hoops? Because when you come here, we're going to have you jump through hoops so you can go to a job where they're going to ask you to jump through hoops. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're saying, I'm really good at following instructions. Even if I don't want to play an instrument, I'll do it to get yeah, it. Yeah. Even though I don't want to take, I don't want to take Spanish, dude. I had no interest in taking Spanish. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a monkey who will jump when we tell them to like that's part of the process i think it's basically the gpa and then the hoop jumping and that's how you get this is what happened i went to a one-year program at uva and they were 
interviewing us in the begin at the end of September, beginning of October. Yeah, before you learned like, anything. We just got here. <laughs> There's no possible way that you are paying for what happens here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I might screw this up completely. Like what you're paying for is the fact that one, you know, hopefully they did some diligence and selected people, but really it's just like I performed enough tricks to get this college to take me so that that satisfies you that you can come here. And it's not the worst heuristic for them. You know what I mean? Like going to some of the top schools, if you're McKinsey or Bain and BCG and just saying we are only going to hire out of here because we don't really know what makes a good person, but it helps if they just follow instruction well yeah, and, yeah. Have a, and have a, a fairly high IQ, which seems to be somewhat necessary to getting the top grades. Yeah, like, it's also not a bad process because most people don't want employees that question everything. They yeah. actually want people who just do what they're told excellently. Except Elon Musk, who like, you don't have to go to college. Correct. You don't have to do any of this. We're looking for people that built rockets in high school. And I don't care if you failed out of science class. <laughs> like, I would be really interested to see what their actual employee pool looks like, because I would bet it's not that dissimilar from a more normal company. Maybe. Like, I think they probably do have the high school dropout who just started building AI robots at mm -hmm. 15. And I bet he's surrounded by a lot of people who went to Stanford. MIT and Stanford. Yeah. Well, I think that it's possible that some of the technical things like MIT have uh, retained uh, some sort of selection system that filters for, I have a genuine interest in science and you can see that by my participation. This versus yours was, well, I don't I also actually think, care about the saxophone. I also think SpaceX wants a lot of smart people that will do what they're told. Sure. And they want a couple people who are going to be thinking outside the box and maybe everyone's supposed to think outside the box within their thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they also, they're not a bunch of people in rooms working on their own crazy projects. Like some of them do have to just be like, hey, figure out how to make this lighter. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you to do this. Do yes. it. Yes, yes, they want engineers. And by and the scientists. way, do it for 16 hours in the next 16 hours. Don't sleep. Like that's mm -hmm. the other thing that people are testing for is how how much will you work very hard? Work hard. Will you yeah. pull an all-nighter to get the grade? Will you pull an all-nighter to finish the project? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. <clears throat> this is a hard tangent, but... We've talked now about the dislikes going away, and it's it really is bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. There. It's really bad. But the thing that I didn't see is if you just zoom out and be like, where was YouTube two, three years ago, and where is it now? What has changed is that there now is an official news section that wasn't there two, three years ago mm -hmm. that is right below above the fold, which for those of you not in the internet spaces, it's the first thing that you see on desktop when you scroll in or the thing that you see on your phone before you scroll down. So it's like right there. It's some of the prime real estate. It's got all of the headlines from the accredited news sources that they have. And there's no indication that people like it or don't like it. And I can tell you, if you zoom out, like what's coming next, if it's not already heavily happening, is the removal of comments and the filtering of comments. Because it seems obvious that what YouTube wanted when they made that was an official message that they believe and support to get space that it didn't merit because of their algorithm. Well, it's also funny because most YouTube videos have 93%, 96% mm -hmm. likes to dislikes. And all those news <laughs> videos always had 17% likes. Yeah. And then a massive amount, 80% well, right plus it's, dislikes. Yeah, you know, third booster helps with the Omicron variant. Is, is the, and what do people think? Well, I don't know. And so there's no, there's no sense when you're looking at these headlines. And by the way, I'm on YouTube. I can tell you that something like 30 to 50 times more people, depending on the size of the video, will see the headline that will actually click the video. And even fewer will get to the comments. So you're able to 30 to 50, 50x that headline communication, yeah. which is such a ridiculous amplifier. And to make sure that there's no other signal saying, hey, other people find this suspicious or other, yeah. you know, people don't like this. Do you think they promote, do you think that the algorithm like tags more corporate channels? 100%. Because I was looking at this the other day because I'm, I'm making a video that involves Pete Davidson and I was looking at SNL on Social Blade. They have 150 million views a month which seems really high for a show that i don't know anyone who watches it's tough i don't know about that here's what we can say i think with pretty high degree of certainty uh coffeezilla back when it was coffee break did a breakdown of what was in the they call it the trending but it's really editors picks because mm -hmm. it's what the things that people at youtube pick and it was almost all corporate it was all jimmy fallon or whatever yeah, yeah. people in sports center I it was like one of the needed fifty thousand views in order to show up on trending versus pewdiepie or anybody else needed a ridiculous amount even though 
the, I don't know what they think the word trending means. Basically, <laughs> like just call it what it is. Like we chose these and these are officially sanctioned YouTube things. And then they defended it, by the way. Like when I've talked to people uh, that like work there, like, well, actually people don't like really click the trending tab. It's like, yeah, but you tried to make them click the trending tab. Like you were unsuccessful in your attempt by the way, they probably to pretend that these were the things. If you'd put the trending videos on, they probably would have clicked. They probably, they probably would have caught steam yeah. if you'd put the most popular videos on. Uh, so... It's just interesting because it, it does seem that uh, you, there there is a message that YouTube that largely aligns with what mainstream media says. And by the way, it's not like YouTube has an independent fact checking arm of YouTube that is selecting the most trustworthy worthy sources and downgrading ones that don't pass that bar. It is just legacy media, and it doesn't matter how many times they screw up or if RussiaGate was true or not. It's just like. These are factual sources that you guys can trust forever and ever. It doesn't matter uh, what stories they've they've gotten wrong in the past, uh, and that's crazy to me and a huge bummer and and seems too flagrant to be an oversight. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. There's just gonna be a Web three video streaming service that eats YouTube's launch. So just chill and wait mm -hmm. ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I. 100% agree. But I was just zooming out going, also, oh, next up is the comments. They don't like the social part of this. They like the, this section is to cram particular ideology down the throats of people on YouTube. And it's not the entire site, but it's like this this section that didn't belong here, that didn't beat the algorithm, that now lo no longer has likes and dislikes. And uh, that's what it is for. <laughs> we should keep our eye out for when the Web3 version comes out so that we can get, get our on shit it. on there. Well, you know, they've been out forever. There's been DTubes in this. And dude, I posted a couple of our videos on DTube years ago. Uh, you can be too early. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can waste a lot of time on Friendster. Periscope. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree. So what else do we have here? The, oh, I watched... The WeWork guy, I mentioned this too, mm -hmm. but I would just mention to the audience, he was on, I don't know if it was business, it wasn't Business Insider, I'm just thinking that because they had the big story with Dave Portnoy, but maybe it was Bloomberg or something. If you look Google WeWork, he did his first interview in two years. For those of you who don't know, there was this whole issue with WeWork where it was valued at $47 billion and had raised money at that valuation. And then that price like plummeted to $9 billion because if you looked into the way they were being valued, they were being valued as a tech startup mm -hmm. with some interesting software. And really, they're just a commercial real estate company that leases real estate. Mm -hmm. um, and so through all of that, the story that was coming out was that this guy, in the midst of a collapse and employees getting fired and investors getting crushed, was walking out with basically a billion-dollar golden parachute and you know had that, that made people livid. Yeah. What was fascinating is I watched his interview and couldn't help but find myself feeling persuaded, if not totally, by the interview. So there's like a really interesting charisma breakdown there, but just a handful of things that I saw in one run-through is that he is extremely calm. There's a moment at the end of it where the guy asks him a question that he's like, no, 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 that's not what happened. And he starts to go, he's like, no, no, no. <sighs> Let me collect myself. That actually isn't what he yeah, like yeah. clearly has been for 45 minutes practicing and prior to this practicing not getting riled up. And as well, what he does is when the guy, he asks many pointed questions. People say that you, you got rich off the backs of this. People say that you screwed people. He almost always goes, I really appreciate you asking that question. It's going to, it gives me a chance to clarify something that, uh, a lot of people believe that. Mm -hmm. And by treating the interviewer as if he was his buddy in this quest to to rectify the mistruths that have sure. been stated, it comes across really well. And there's a hundred other things that he does, but it's it's like a master well, class. Hopefully not on because I don't want to make that long. You don't have video, to make it. <laughs> it's, hopefully it's, there's ten minutes or less. Things it is it does. is a master class on answering hard questions. And if you walk out of there not totally convinced, that's fine. I mean, he. he why does he was, do it? Well, what he says. No, and, sorry. Why does he do the interview? So he's got a billion dollars. He's so, living his so life. So he said he's like. And again, this is a, it's plausible to me. It's like, look, when all this went down, I knew that me doing the interview then would have just created more trouble for WeWork. And I honestly just want wanted them to succeed. I wanted to not be a distraction and to get out. The reason that I'm doing it now is because I wanted to do it then. And there were a lot of things that were wrong about this, just factually inaccurate about the time, about my compensation, about how it happened, why it happened, and all this kind of stuff. 
So he's like, I've been wanting to do this. It seems that now that WeWork is doing well, is being publicly traded, is making money, now I can come and not be a distraction from what is a successful company. It, it, that it is, it is, it's working. We are working. <laughs> <laughs> we work is working. <laughs> so that's what he says. And he's got answers to every single question that you might think to ask him. He's got a plausible answer for that goes, that makes sense. And he, he manages it in a really skillful way. Um, there's one other thing that I wanted to bring, which is our guy that we've played D&D with for a very long time has openings. Oh, hard <laughs> tangent. Our DM has openings. Uh, but so I said we would love to share this because I think a lot of the people on the podcast have heard us talk about DD, maybe have not played it before. So he's running campaigns. Uh, it's for three to six players. You can come by yourself and be matched with the group, or you can bring several friends and you can have your own group. Uh, and it's essentially the sessions are, I think, three hour sessions. Uh, sometimes it can run a little bit over. It's $250 for the total of the session. That's split between the number of people that do it. So it's that flat price. Uh, and honestly, I, it sounds like a lot of money, but when you're looking at the amount of time and effort that goes into it and how it basically takes up an entire evening of entertainment, it really is a steal and he's fantastic at it. So if you are interested in trying D&D, uh, we've got a link in the description. We don't get anything from it. I truly just wanted to do this because he's good. I think you guys will like it. And he was looking to fill a couple games. You can put your name, your email. He could reach out, pair you with a group where you can have your own and you can try D&D. Cool. I see you scratching Doug. Yeah, you got a needy dog here. <laughs> <laughs> I got some stuff that none of it's like particularly current events related. So I can do them now or I can save them. Is that all you got for this week? Yeah. I, I, my, my notes haven't been syncing that well. I wrote some others down, but unfortunately. So have you heard about the police IQ upper limit thing? No. I was, I was researching about this. No. So this is a thing that people, people write on Reddit. So I was curious about it. The police uh, have been reported to have a certain police departments, obviously police are not an, a federal organization. They, they have different jurisdictions and legislations have uh, IQ upper limit. Allegedly, because if you score too high, you're likely to get bored with police work and leave soon after undergoing costly training. Okay. So seems kind of weird to me because you don't necessarily not want smart people to be police officers. And also because I've never heard of any other job having mm -hmm. that fear. You know uh, what I mean? They don't IQ test you before you go to McDonald's. They just say, oh, you're willing to take this pay to do this job? Sure. Well, there's, there's by the very way, little do, training in McDonald's. That's the other thing. It's not as costly to have people. Like, people come in and out of McDonald's like crazy. Sure. There's police academy. There's all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would be curious to know if there's a cap on military IQs. What, we, what you'd be looking for to find a comparison is a high training job that didn't necessarily require super high IQ or super high cognitive something. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never heard of any other job ever. I know that the military has a bottom ten percent that they don't take. Well, you'd like a you'd like a, you'd like an IQ uh, minimum yeah. requirement for military police work. Do you know like what that. the cutoff is for maxing out? I think they said it's like one fifteen of the police academy. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's I thought it might be higher. That's interesting. No, it's not like one sixty. Yeah, because I was going to be like, there's a number which I just go, who cares? That's fascinating. Yeah, that's not that high. Yep. for them to be. Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> and this number, gets, by the way, but that's not. But there's like detectives and stuff like that. There's there's different roles. Sure, the FBI, academies. which is hard as fuck to get into as yeah. well. Uh, the the other thing is this number gets quoted all the time on Reddit. If you Google it, every news organization mm -hmm. has written about it at one point or another. I tried to track down the actual data, and this is yeah. the most interesting thing to me because I was digging into it. I couldn't find anything, anything. Yeah. more recent than a local Supreme Court case. I think it was for. Connecticut from 1999. Hmm. That's what that one out then. No, well, this is the interesting thing. A guy sued because they didn't get the job because of the IQ and got rejected and then sued and the Supreme Court said, no, they're allowed to do this, but it was all public, right? But then nothing has been released since, which is very strange to me because it means that no one, either no one has sued since, which would seem strange, or the press isn't covering it or the rule got changed. But if the rule was changed, why wasn't there any coverage? And so the weirdest part to me is like, I think that the, this narrative is something that clearly people like having. They get quoted on Reddit. 
They write about it in news articles. But there's been nothing in 21 years Mm -hmm. to say if it's still out there or not. No one's released anything. So to me, I'm just like, this is very strange that everybody clings to this one anecdote of one trial and is adamant that police have an upper upper IQ limit and quote it all the time. But there's not any actual data to say it's it's true it's or not, not the case. which is weird because you'd think the police would come out and just have press releases and being like, this is bullshit. Even in that particular thing, all that does is that just is about Connecticut's police department. That, Correct. That, that, that would be, if that was 100% true, all that would establish is that at that particular year, that was true of that Connecticut department. Yeah. So the most, and maybe you haven't heard this, but the most interesting part to me was like, this is a very well uh, known truth, I guess that there's no, no one has any evidence that it's true except for in ni- the state of Connecticut well, in 1999. Let's call it more, it's more conventional wisdom. That's what I'm saying. It's like not a, it's true, we don't even know. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. But if you go on Reddit for anything about cops, you'll see a, a thousand upvoted comment quoting, well, of course this is what happens when they don't let people with high IQs in. It's like, <laughs> this might not be true. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no... There's, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's, it's it could just be a... What do we call it? Like alligators in the sewers is <laughs> for all I know. Yeah. What's strange to me is if that were the case, why isn't there a news? Why isn't there any news about how it's not true? Well, I could understand that would be like more Snopes's role. Like there's a lot of- Sure. Snopes or a press release from police, like, uh, what are they called? Whatever it is. Police office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no one's like de- debunking it either. So I just thought it was weird. It's like this weird thing that gets quoted all the time that has no data one way or the other. Maybe, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I avoid speaking authoritatively on it because I don't, it might not even be real. <laughs> so, so just comment like, that's ridiculous or that's appropriate. But assuming that it is the case and that they do have an upper bound, say of 115 in some precincts, I don't, because they find that people leave the work, I don't know that I would have a particular, well... I guess I would because you're not, I'm thinking this through real time. We don't have any established laws that prevent discrimination based on intelligence, do we? Not, well, to, not to my knowledge. Like you're, you're allowed, I think that's kind of the point of a job interview in many ways. So yeah, to, to set an upper limit because you wouldn't be fit for the job seems just as fair as setting a lower limit because you wouldn't be fit for the job. Uh, even though there might be people that would be fine with it. It's like, look, we can't take you all on average, because it's just too expensive. That seems like it would be a reasonable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having that limit, if it is the case that they did it because people left the job, is not the reason that there's issues with the police because those people don't want to be there. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they, that's, they tried having them in there. They didn't start kicking them out. Uh, if that reasoning is true, then that's not, that's not causing the problem. The other thing I want to talk about, because we talked about IQ privilege before, mm-hmm. for people who haven't seen us talk about that, just the idea that, people will focus on privileges in certain areas. But one thing they don't often talk about is that you're just born with a brain that has a certain amount of horsepower. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I found this because it was like a week or two ago. It, when it comes to wealth, IQ is actually not the determining factor. Really? Yeah. So we're. I think like Jordan Peterson or someone talks about how it's, it's the thing that correlates with success. Mm-hmm. But at least in the reports I was looking at, the individual's location obviously inherited wealth, race, and schooling are just as correlated as IQ when it comes to determining income. Interesting. No, I, I'd be... Certainly location makes sense to me. So does inherited wealth. Inherited wealth Schooling makes, makes sense. If you just know the person went to a certain school, they're very likely to have a certain income. Yes. So like Because well, that's, that's correlated with everything else. That's already got it. I'm surprised that IQ doesn't outperform race um, and would be curious about. Well, I think the part of the reason is, and they were talking about this, IQ has diminishing returns. Like the wealthiest people are not the people with the highest IQs necessarily. Well, also there's the question of like, are you just, like, are you taking, I don't know, Jeff Bezos's kid and then he counts as a billion, you're doing the mean, is it the median? There's a lot of ways to run these statistics mm-hmm. that, that could be confusing when you're talking about numbers that get so astronomical. Yes. Well, here's, so this is the part that I found the most interesting because I'm someone who often thinks about, uh, you know, like wanting the best for your kid. And so one of the things is like, oh yeah, you really want your kid to be really smart. Well, 
No, you wanted to be born in Malibu. I can tell you, <laughs> I'm serious. I can tell you being in Malibu, uh, I don't see higher intelligence that is made obvious to me out here. I see higher pay for everyone. And I'm talking like you go to get a smoothie, it's $18. <laughs> it's, and it's yeah. like, so that means that the guy who runs a smoothie store is making a lot more money, which means if he wanted to, and I think he does, he afford, can afford to pay the 15-year-olds that are making the smoothie more than they'd be making anywhere else. No, and I think what you want is a certain amount of horsepower. Yeah. I think if, you know, for financial success, if we're just talking about that, if you're at a certain level, it will, it will elude you. But it is not that, you know, if you have 150 IQ, you're guaranteed to make more than almost everyone with 140. And if you have 170, you know, it's like, that's not how it works yeah, yeah. at all. Oh yeah, there's totally diminishing returns. There's been diminishing returns, yeah. So it's like, oh, it's not the smarter, the better. And then I was thinking about for happiness, I don't think IQ correlates to happiness either. Did you think or did you check this out? I did not, I did not. Okay, just curious. No, 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 I didn't find any people that got it, got looked it. into this. Uh, but it certainly, at least in my anecdotal experience, is not my smartest friends or my happiest friends. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans. Like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A., members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So for me, I've always on the podcast talked about IQ privilege and how it's something that we don't factor in enough. And it just, in the last couple of weeks, I was just amending, like, it's not something to be aggressively envious of or, you know, the more, the better. It doesn't, doesn't guarantee you happiness or wealth well, to, that's, to that's have the 160 same of, that's, IQ. It's the same of every other privilege. If it implies wealth, it's like wealth doesn't imply happiness and there's diminishing returns on that as mm -hmm. well. Uh, you know, you could talk and there are, I think, I think part of the, we've talked about this, like the conversation that we should be having is uh, how much are people suffering and how much of that is out of their control and let's help the people that are well, suffering. So this made me realize. And that, that might mean that Jeff Bezos needs a hand. I wonder, <laughs> yeah, like, this is what made me realize. I wonder if the number one privilege that we should all be envious of is, is happy. just like a good <laughs> thermostat yeah. in your brain. So we, could, we talked about this. I don't know if we ever talked about this on air, but we, we talk about like your internal thermostat for happiness. How hedonic adaptation always sets you back to your set point. So if you lose your legs or if you win the lottery, you will experience a temporary shift in happiness, but hedonic adaptation, the theory goes that you'll fall very close to where you were before, but everyone has a different set point. And you can do things over time to raise your set point, like gratitude, by the way, just, just so you know, like mindfulness. This, what was that book? Um, it was written by Dan Gilbert. They took people, not who lost, who became paralyzed, and they took people who won the lottery, and they, and they measured literally those two cohorts of people and found that there was regression to the mean mm -hmm. after uh, X period of months. And it wasn't that many months. It yes. was less than a year. And you can raise your set point. I want that, like, if you focus on certain things, like mindfulness or gratitude or Whatever, you know, there's, there's, I've talked about this in the podcast before, actually, the things that raise your happiness set point. But I was realizing that's the number one privilege, I think. It's just naturally without effort, having a really high gratitude and happiness set point is the number one thing to be envied, I think. And it is not at all. <laughs> no, no one ever like, talks about nobody it. Nobody sees that person and goes, it's not fair. It's like, like, especially if that person has a, like, and we've met these people in our life. life. They have a just service a job. They're a janitor. They're the person who's like this super cheery service person that you yeah. come across. Nobody's like, it's not fair. Like, why yeah. can't I have what they have? Uh, we, 
we said this hundred times. Yeah, it's the status game that the things that people want. It appears to be is status. It's what other people want. Mm-hmm. We don't want what we want because what we want in and of ourselves inside our own skin suit is to feel good. But we are aimed at what it seems like everyone else is aimed at. And so we'll want happiness if it looks like other people are uh, valuing happiness, at which point we like, we'll post all our smiles on Instagram and shit. But the moment that it becomes cool to post your pain on Instagram or what, <laughs> like that, that is the most popular thing. No, Instagram's a great one too, because I think the happiest people probably aren't active on it. A hundred percent. And that's, that's just from my own life experiences. The less you see me on Instagram, the better I'm doing. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, if I'm on Instagram, there's been a breakup. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sad and I'm looking for attention, you know, uh, that's yeah. A hundred percent. I very much. Agree. So yeah. That was just my thing. I've always, uh, been very high on IQ and how important it is. And I was just realizing, no, it's that internal happiness set piece. Another thing, cause I'm really something I really like other than being happy is longevity. So Peter Atia was on Joe Rogan recently. Did, did you see it? Nope. Yeah, I didn't think so. I don't so, see so. any Joe Rogan anymore, dude. So I got some I'm interesting things. I'm not a Spotify things. guy. I got some interesting... Oh, neither am I. I saw it on YouTube. But I got some interesting things. Oh, you saw so like the, the clips? Everybody knows that if you smoke, your risk of death goes up, right? He says two to three X, although he doesn't define exactly what this means. But I'm assuming it's something like your odds that you die in your 50s or in your 60s. If they look at the cohort, like what percentage of non-smokers die and what percentage of smokers die? You're two to three times more likely to die on any. Yeah, I, that's that's. I wonder what that statistic means. I would imagine, like, on any given year, that your odds of dying at your age at your are two age. to three times yes. higher. Yeah, on average, because I'm sure it's not the same at the age thirty as it is at age sixty. Anyway, that's a weird. Yes, number, no, I sure. think you go cohort to cohort based on age, <laughs> and then you look at all cause mortality of smokers and non-smokers. So this could be mm-hmm. lung cancer. It could be heart disease. It's a tough number to do because, yeah, because at age 40, I bet you it's not two to three times higher. You know, it's, or at age 35, it's not two to three times higher. Like, it's likely to accrue. That's what I'm saying. I think, I, so my hypothesis life. is in your 50s or 60s. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. So, so two to three times higher, big number. Your risk of death from having high cardiovascular fitness goes down by more than your risk of death going up from smoking. So everybody knows smoking is really bad. bad Don't smoke lungs. this and that. Uh, no, what he's saying is we all ignore heart, heart yes. cardiovascular health. Oh, it's the number one thing. And it's yeah. the, he's saying it's the, like, if you think smoking is bad, having a good VO2 max is even more important yeah. than not smoking. I'm a smoker. And nobody, <laughs> nobody focuses on it. Nobody talks about it. He's talking about all-cause mortality because of how much it affects everything. everything. In terms of it affects right, your weight. I'll go for a run, dude. What do you want me to say? No, that, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting as a guy no, who likes longevity. It's ridiculous. The fact, because I mean, we've, you could tell I've been mailing it in at the gym, but I still <laughs> go, but I don't do any of the heart stuff. Yes. I do like, you know, I've, I've hit, I dipped in like my bench and my stuff, but I hit like a, okay, I can maintain this with minimal effort. Uh, yes. Yeah, so few people do heart. It's incredible. Yeah. And the other and thing it's is- also hard is one of the, it, I think it's the most fun. Some people disagree. Yeah. I fucking hate leg day. If I, once I get out there and I'm jump roping or on a run, I'm very happy. I, it's, it's another, it's one of those weird things that is like so good when you're into it and so good for you, but you can't. I feel the opposite. I yeah. think because I have flat feet. Okay. I find running to be a nightmare. That's why I said Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take that up, dude. I'm not, we live right by the ocean. That's such an easy gimme for me to just improve my life. So that's why I thought it was interesting is because we, I mean, I think a lot of longevity people too get lost in the weeds of like, all right, I'm, I'm going to intermittent fast. I'm going to give you a hundred bucks if I haven't taken a run along the beach next week. Cool. By one time. Justin, Just, write that down. Justin, I'm going to give, <laughs> I take it back. I'm going to give you a hundred bucks. Yeah, Justin. yeah. I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. Henry wants some too. Um, Next thing I know, my shoes are gone. I can't. <laughs> doors are locked. We're going to have a Nancy Kerrigan uh, All right, incident. so yeah. So if by the next podcast, and all I have to do is get out there for 30 seconds. Like, that's it. When I'm out there with my shoes. This is, by the way, you guys. People ask me, how do I get myself to do it? This is literally what I do to myself. Is I uh, tell a friend that I'll pay him if I don't. And I make it an amount that is affordable, but not going to be fun to give up. Justin, check in. Check in next week. <laughs> hundred bucks if he doesn't and do so, it. And so you don't have to do a hundred. Like when I first started this, my amount was $5 yeah. that I would give to people. Um, but I might just give up $5 rather than do the run. So I picked a number. Well, you had a lot had. less money in the best. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I picked a number just a second ago that is like, I actually don't want to give Justin a hundred dollars. Sorry about that. <laughs> I want to keep that. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that's the sweet spot for me. Yeah. But I thought it was fascinating because there's so many people 
who do focus on longevity in the Tim Ferriss style. Oh, last thing. Sorry, last thing. Uh, Justin, it will remember is the other thing. That's why you tell a friend. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because he's not going to forget. Hopefully. Sorry, go ahead. So many people. Well, no, I was just this. saying, so, so they do intermittent fasting, resveratrol, autophagy, you know what I mean? And he was saying literally the number one thing he recommends if you want to live a long time is three hours a week of biking, four 45-minute sessions. My mom would love it if I did that, yeah. I just thought that was fascinating. It's like, okay, here's Peter Atia, well-regarded anti-cancer guy. And biking guy. is like low impact. Now, the other thing is, you know, I got to say, every biker I know has had a horrific accident. I don't mean motorbike. I mean he like- He does stationary bike. It's hugely different. Like I, all of my friends have been destroyed. Like these city bikers who mm-hmm. like bike to work. Oh yeah, my dude, my, my uncle is mauled. a- downhill mountain biker and he's broken his collarbone three yeah. times yeah. i think that's going to increase uh okay so no, a stationary, a stationary bike. bike and you do it a certain way focus on your vo2 max i won't listen to the podcast out there i'm not going to just be yeah, a, yeah. a parrot for peter atia well i wonder and i if i can hit my uh 70 80 20 whatever with just doing more mm-hmm. than i'm doing I, I like i jump rope was always fun for me too but i think because i'm near the ocean it might be nice to just take a run out there Cool. Yeah, so it was interesting because I was there. I was there waiting for the life hack. You know, what I mean, I was there waiting for the pill I can take or the weird thing no one's heard of. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, cardio. That is, to be fair, that is the thing no one's heard of. It's, I, I think if you ask people what's the number one cause of death in America, they would not say heart disease. They would, they would say, well, yeah, we're just being out of shape. <laughs> like yeah, not being, and in it's good like, and which of those, fitness. by the way, which of which of these other ones are compounded by having this? I guess you could even say that. Uh, it seems like the things that are really bad for your health, if you just look at the things that kill you, is having a weak immune system, which comes from not sleeping enough and not eating correct and ha- being stressed out and not having like a minimal level of sweat activity in your life. Those, those seem to uh, be connected to a lot of the leading causes of, of death. So food is you know related to diabetes and stuff like that. But cool. Yeah, All right, I just thought that was interesting. I'll go for a run. And then I got two... Charlie Hoopert vindications that I found. These I are for these. Pat yourself on the back. I live for these, dude. This is my life. <laughs> so one was the. Uh, I don't actually know how to say it correctly now because you always say it funnily. Latineke. <laughs> Latinekis. Latinekis. I say Latinx. Yes, I know. That's so. I was like, how do people say this? Well, they say so, Latinx. I think it should be Latinekis in, in deference to people who actually speak Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> or it should be Latinx because that's what it looks like. <laughs> so yeah, it was interesting. You've said that this is not something that you're, the people anecdotally that you know who are Hispanic or Latino don't want to be referred to that way and think it's strange because their entire language is masculine and feminine. And mm-hmm. uh, a small survey of 800 Hispanic voters was done. I, they call it a nationwide survey, which just means it's people in every state, but it's only 800 people. Yeah. So I do want to give the devil his due. Uh, 68% of people want to be called Hispanic. 21% want to be called Latino or Latina. 2% want to be called Latinekes. Yeah. 40% said they find that term offensive. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was interesting because it seems like a bunch of progressive people just tried to rename a group without checking in with them. Which is like... They don't the, necessarily like it. It's hilarious because the entire... Not the entire. Part of the ethos behind, behind this is self-identification, right? That you get to label yourself in mm-hmm. in important ways uh except when they don't like that yeah <laughs> well which, the thing i was just mulling this over i was like i guess this term actually isn't meant to make these people a feel dumb good. term it's meant it's sorry yeah. but it's it's for trans people who don't want to be gendered i don't even think it's for trans people i think it's for progressive people and some of whom are at youtube writing some of the youtube communications that i see uh, I don't think it's for even, I actually think a lot of the people doing it are not trans. I, th- I think they are progressive. And I think there is, it's, it's part of, this is, this is trite to say, it's ideology is overused, religion is overused, but it is, it is a religious, all-encompassing worldview uh, to signal one's concern and forward-lookingness to uh, include everybody by saying what people can, uh, in this case, call themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the idea that a group can say, yes, call me this, is, is kind of silly overall, but those are pretty strong indicators 
of the words that they would like well, to have. That's what I thought was interesting is the first data I saw was like, people would rather be called Hispanic, apparently. Well, what's funny, you know, you said that I didn't realize that because in college, what they taught us was you're, it's not Hispanic. It's actually Latino is the proper term. Not according to 65% of these includes, 800 people. Well, no, like Hispanic includes Spain, which is not what you're saying when you do that. You know, you're not, you're actually talking about people in the area beneath the United States of America. So it's just funny that there's, you know, that was back in college taught to me by a, a white guy. <laughs> it's just, you know, the, the, uh, the rulings on how this stuff goes. I've always used Latino when I've talked about, uh, Spanish speaking area under America because of under the United States of America. That's another thing you can't say America mm-hmm. because it's all the Americas. Well, that makes sense to me actually, sure. G- given that it's South America. I agree. I actually understand the United States of America part, but that's not really, that's not progressive. That's just people saying you, it's uh, egoic to say that the United States of America is America. Cause there's a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. parts of North and South America. Yeah. So I actually understand that one. I can yeah. identify with being like, you guys should not say. I saw somebody in a, in a debate, it was interesting, uh, chide someone for how they pronounced Iran. You know, they said Iran. And he said, it's actually Iran. And then later they were talking about Mexico and they called it Mexico instead of Mexico. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> you know? And nobody called them on it, but I wish someone had. Yeah, I yeah, wish, yeah. you know, like, oh, we're going to say it like they say it, you, yeah. know, you know, or you just have the handful that your community thinks is appropriate to say in in your best attempt. And it, it was, uh, I've been that person before and I try not to because I, what it made me realize, it's like, look, I'm mispronouncing shit all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize. So every now and then I, I'll be like, if it's a very common word, I'll try to do someone a favor. But to use that as a way of scoring points, yeah. it's just like, dude, you're gonna. This is gonna get turned on you so damn quick by someone that knows a little bit more than you. Croissant, yeah, croissant, <laughs> croissant. Um, or irregardless. You know, it's actually regardless, and then you'll finish a sentence with a preposition or something three sentences later. Yeah. There's a great, the, gra- the grammar great Nazis, one. you don't want to be one. It, you're just going to get screwed every time. There's a great clip. I think it's Jennifer Garner with Conan where she calls him out aggressively on a grammar thing. She's like, yeah. you went to Harvard, Conan. <laughs> you should know that that's not a word. She's being, I've seen it. She's being, she's being playful. But well, yeah. he goes and gets a dictionary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's all, you love to see those people get their comeuppance. So if you are that person, you just open yourself up for everybody rooting that you get your comeuppance. Yes. Yes. And you will because- that's the thing with uh, with language is that there's not one right way of doing things. There's, you know, words evolve and mean different things. And what you were, I was taught to double space after period. And I was berated if I did a single space. I still do. I still do. And I'll be like, what are you doing? Like, we don't have typewriters anymore. <laughs> you gotta do it. <laughs> you, gotta you gotta do it. it. I was yelled at. Yeah. Sir, look, people would circle when you're writing essays, the space. Yeah. With little red circle, yeah. minus oh one. My- God, this looks like a single space. Oh like, my God! Fair point. That happened. That's is. why I'm so yeah. militant. Yeah, about literally, it. Uh, teachers would just look at the space in between sentences. Yeah, this looks like one space to me. Oh my gosh! And I, yeah, that just reminded me of of when you get like a three page paper, one point five space, but you could make it squeeze the margins a little. Oh, <laughs> increase yeah. that spacing right. as opposed to writing like another hundred words which at the time seemed impossible yeah. there was no possible so sometimes way. you've said everything you need to say <laughs> uh, and then the other thing that uh you know just a little, little pat yourself on the back because i know you were and i agree with you but by the way in 10 years when when these people have won and it is latin latinx or latinx and i'm being thrown in in uh cancel jail <laughs> this is the clip they're gonna pull yeah. but today i'm a victorious well the other one uh reddit had a post about student loan forgiveness uh-huh. which in the past we've talked about just not the most effective way to help people it ignores the people who chose not to go to college because they don't have money and excludes them from the redistribution of wealth there's a lot of reasons for it it doesn't fix the problem going forward you're just helping people today the, the interesting thing is reddit which is normally pretty left-leaning I saw all those arguments as the most upvoted comments Mm. on this post from AOC about loan forgiveness for student loans. So it made me wonder. Reassignment, loan reassignment. That's what we got to call it. Well, it made me wonder if there's been a changing of the 
zeitgeist or a changing of the view of that by people. Because even the most left-leaning place that I go to, which is Reddit, people who used to be like, yeah, yeah, now seem more critical of it and more Mm. desirous of a systemic change that involves lowering the price going forward or redistributing to people who, you know, because they didn't have money, didn't go to college. Like those are concerns that people are now raising, upvoting, which was not the case yeah, two years ago. It's tough. There's a there's a lot of ways to interpret that. They could be sock puppet accounts. You know that the other thing that I always wonder is like how much of these online interactions are by Chinese and Russian uh, spies that are trying to foment <laughs> yeah, <it could> be. <laughs> their frustration within America. What's the actual sentiment? I I like to think that that would be true. That'd be nice because I do, and I've said this before, but briefly, uh, I'm for a redistribution of wealth. I think that's the one of the worst ways to go about it is to give is to incentivize poor decision-making and basically bail colleges out. Well, also the people, I mean, I think if you if you make the cut people with student loans, those are not the least well-off people in the exactly. United States. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd rather, I'd rather. So if you have a bail, a trillion dollar bailout that only goes to them, you are ignoring some of the people who need it the most. Mm-hmm. Yes, and what they got for that was some somewhere in between like four years of having fun or, you know, at best case scenario, a worthwhile education, which I find um, sir, if it was economically viable, they, it would be economically viable. Let's put it that way. They wouldn't need the loan that, that they find themselves in. So it was a poor thing. And it's like, people like it doesn't solve the problem going forward, but they're looking at it at the student side. You got to look at it at the college side. It incentivizes these colleges to continue making products do not have a return on their mm-hmm. investment. Like if you are an Amazon FBA seller, which I don't really like this kind of stuff on YouTube, and your people aren't making their investment back, that's immediately understood to be a valid criticism of your offering. Uh, colleges have successfully married themselves to the word education so well that people can say, well, you didn't make any money from it. You go, well, it wasn't about that. It was just about learning which I think is goofy because learning is occurring everywhere. You know, you're, you're learning online, you're learning outside, you learn if you do experiments. And I think if you're going to pay that tremendous amount of money for what you, you know, I hate to just quote Goodwill Hunting, so I won't, but <laughs> <laughs> it seems it seems silly. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty down on colleges, but if you want to go, I support it. And well, we've had people ask us who are in Scandinavian countries. I'm like, yeah, you should go. I also will say as someone who's hiring, I get why people look at it. Because yeah. you do, I mean, it, there is a correlation, There's a correlation of horsepower and where people are going to college and what their grades are in college that I have seen. So mm-hmm. I actually understand why organizations look at it. You know, what's interesting is there's uh, the one guy that I just talked to who might be watching this. He was a very smart kid. I don't think he went to college. If he did, I'd have to ask. But there's also... Um, it's correlated to end. There's plenty of people who. who oh, of course, I don't think our. Mold. I don't think our ops guy, our right hand man, went to, went to college. He started a business. He yeah. dropped out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was looking at writers, I will say the best one came from Cornell. Mm-hmm. So it's not a useless metric, I don't think. Yes, and I think, like I said, what you're what you are paying for is their filtering process. Right. Yeah. For sure. That's what you, uh, more than the education that they received there. Um, cool. Anything All right. Else? I got. Yeah. I got one thing. I got a question. For everyone watching, and then I got an announcement. Question. I'm trying to source my clothes ethically. Mm. Okay? We've talked about meat endlessly, but another thing, I'm trying to get a pair of shorts, a pair of gym shorts that didn't involve slave labor or child labor. <laughs> if anyone has any recommendations in the comments, I am wide open. I found one brand, and it was $150 per pair of shorts that looked like a pair of sweatpants where the legs were just cut off at the knee. So I'm hoping to do better than that. So if anybody has any recommendations for brands of ethically sourced gym shorts, that would be really helpful for me personally. Very nice. Second thing, a podcast viewer anonymously donated $1,000 to Charity Water. What? I only know it was a podcast viewer because of their comment. They wrote something along the lines of like, I find your arguments for ethical altruism to be compelling, which we only talk about on the podcast. So whoever that is, thank you so much. We had another one who gave $100. Just been crushing it. You sent an email out today. That came today. Both came today. $1,000. Wow. So, so incredible. Thank you, guys. Just for people who don't know. great. Thank you. We have, through the podcast and Charisma on Command, through donations and through us donating, raised almost a million dollars since we started going for Charity Water, which is insane. And so even though it's a random number, we're trying to get to the million by the end of the year. 
the way we're doing that is we're going to match any donations. So normally we talk about how $40 gets someone who would not have access to clean water, clean water for a year, which is crazy because it's life-changing for that person. It's only 40 bucks. We're going to match you till the end of the year. So if you give $20, you basically save someone's life. You get them clean water for 10 years when they wouldn't have had access to it. So that's happening for everyone that's already donated. Thank you so much for our mystery $1,000 donator. Thank you so much. And I just wanted to make that announcement before we get into questions. Yeah, I will say this is for me and you. That's one awesome. But uh, we've talked about the podcast. We obviously are not making money off of it. And we've we've talked about is it should we continue or not? Uh, oh, not, I had the same thought when I saw it. There's these ancillary benefits that have come from it. And I don't just think, not just the thousand dollars, which is like, oh, is there another way to make that probably faster than mm-hmm. doing a hundred plus episodes of your podcast? Oh no, but somewhere but, out there, there's someone who can afford to donate a thousand dollars that's watching this. Yeah, so like yeah. we might become friends with someday. And because money is very important in friendship. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, I, we met our, I consider him now a friend, uh, Evan mm-hmm. through, he watched the podcast and then we did our D and D call and he did really good voices and came through that. Um, yeah, and if we applied to like play or to help yeah, yeah, us yeah. with accents or something. And so we haven't gotten there yet, but we met a potential D&D editor through, through this. You know what I mean? His, his name is uh, Jeremy. So I feel like, and maybe the same thing exists with Charisma on Command, but it's just too big for me to open up like my inbox yeah. to those. This is of a size where I've been able to let in and have conversations with some of the people and I've really enjoyed them. So maybe the same thing does exist with Charisma on Command. Really appreciate all the donations. We can make a lot of positive change in the world. Cool. Did, for the Chris CTA, did you mention cost, number of players, and all that? I did. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to do D&D, uh, he's, do the link in the description, 250 games, somewhere between three and six players. So you can do the math depending on how many people you'd like to play with. Uh, and it's it's a whole evening. It's super cool. I recommend checking it out. I've enjoyed it a lot. And it's we're going to be, we're, we have been working very hard on our own, our own Dungeons & Dragons thing to film and hopefully have out sometime in the new year we thought we'd have it up by now there's been some hitches in getting it going but we're if working you want to play hard. the same class as me be a blade singer yeah ben goes ben goes super like <laughs> super uh be a blade singer what is it that's very unique and difficult to manage <laughs> not standard cool do we have questions from people in the comments over the last couple weeks yeah uh i'll just do one though because we have like 30 patreon questions oh bang, nice bang. sharp haircut by the way Thanks. Wish everyone could see it. Uh, <laughs> 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 Justin looks good. Uh, if you could solve most of the world's major issues by having having the population resulting in a vastly decreased demand for resources, would you? If it meant the guaranteed survival of the species. It wouldn't, though. It would be horrible. Uh, the supply side would be destroyed. The, like What has allowed humans to... Uh, have as much as we have has been our burgeoning population that allows for the specialization that we had, which increases more for everybody. Uh, you would ruin. But the hypothetical is what if you, what could? if that weren't the case, right? Isn't that, isn't that the question? What if it did make things better? It wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's, Dude, imagine it's there was like magic, a glove. Okay. So there's like a magical genie. There's a magical. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, but again, that, that whole thing was ridiculous as well. Yeah. Uh, we killed killing all half animals. of all life is killing half of all food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, the I, that's the problem. <laughs> so we have half as many people. We also have half as much food. Yeah. So. Uh, th- and the trees were still there when he snapped. I don't understand. Just what as it, much land. What do you though? mean life, Thanos? <laughs> <laughs> um, the endgame is actually just a philosophical debate between Vision and Thanos. Yeah. Did, my, did half so, of my but, dogs go? But this guy's question is, if it were, right? You have to assume that it were. But this has to become magical. There has to be a genie who says, here's, it's and it's a trade at this point, because they're actually not connected. He's like, here's the deal. I will make life amazing for half of the population, but you have to kill half of the others. Sure. Is that a fair recharacterization of the question justin because it doesn't i don't think so so what are they saying what what they say is um if it meant the guarantee of the survival of the species would you be willing to have the population randomly well no i'm not convinced that i don't i think it would you're solving a problem that i don't think i'm not in the impression that if the human species ends the most likely candidate is because we didn't have the population i think it's an asteroid. But I'll play this. A genie comes to you and says, I can guarantee the survival of the human race, but the cost for your wish is yeah. that I will have to randomly kill. 
half of the people. I my, would say my gut is I'm just going to bank on human ingenuity. I'm good on yeah, that. Yeah, no, yeah, and no, also thanks. like, can you imagine the horror and the trauma of the survivors? Like, well, maybe you just maybe they don't remember. Maybe you're the only person who remembers. So now you live in a home where like it's you, <laughs> it's me, my brother, and my sister at like seven, five, and three, and the parents' bedroom is just empty, and we're like, there were never any parents Correct. here. Correct. We've been feeding ourselves for go, ages. Maybe you go, one <laughs> nuclear family disappears, and another no, one. No, it'd be, it'd be my horrifying. big thing is I'm just willing to bet on human ingenuity. I don't think I need this genie or this also trade-off. like the way that uh, the way that the universe bounced back after Infinity War was ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, imagine the situation that I described multiplied over and over and over again where mommy and daddy are just gone and all of these orphans are out there. I mean, it would have been, it would have, it would have crushed everything. Uh, nuclear reactors just, well, I guess some of them can't melt out, melt down these days, but yeah, planes falling out of the sky. They did show that. <laughs> did they? Yeah. Did they? Showed that. Um, I like to think it was like Passover where it was like every other house. <laughs> so if you put up the little goat's blood around the door, your house was spared. Thanos yeah. just went every other house. Yeah. It's just like, got it. Your neighbors are gone, but your whole family's still there. It's not kids without yeah. parents. Well, I, I the watched. The Smiths down the street are just turned to dust. There was something that I watched the other day, which is about the Turpin family, which is really sad. Uh, this mother and father who would lock their kids inside for their whole life. I forget what this has to do with Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really. Sorry, is that what's. What's the rest of the story? They locked him. Oh gosh, how is it, how is this related? Um, oh, the foster system after. So these kids have this horrible life. Like they're literally some of them are chained to their beds for weeks at a time, just and let out like up to thirty years old. Like and they they have strange accents you've never heard because they've never met another human in their life. They were just these crazy people who locked I think like twelve kids inside mm. this house and they lived in filth and it was so. So, that, so those kids literally never left the house for thirty Correct. years. They just had these crazy horrible parents hmm. um who would chain them up and i wonder why i mean crazy man crazy yeah. it, there's there's no explanation the opposite happy 18th get out <laughs> but then the story is that some of the kids went to foster care and suffered further abuse yeah and it's because the foster system dude there's not all these people like trying to take in orphaned children like the, like it's that's a that's such a and if you are god bless you you're a saint that's an yeah, incredibly yeah. difficult thing to do and you can do your damnedest, but like they just lost their parents. So I guess what I'm saying is you snap some of the parents out of existence. You have all these orphans. They're not going to just get snatched up by loving homes. If they are snatched up They're at all. They're going to get snatched up by people whose kids turned to it's dust. It's going to, yeah, yeah. It's not going to go well, dude. So the society that you're imagining, like with the survival of this race, is a miserable one. Uh, so definitely not. Definitely, definitely not. Uh, so two no's. Two strong no's on that one. No's, yeah. But- Fun hypothetical. We used to play these all the time in the basement. Just be like, would you rather fight? That's true. A bear with shark. If you hands? could turn, if you could anamorph into one animal, what would you pick? Definitely a flyer. Definitely. I was watching a bird just up on the thermals over the beach, just sitting. It wasn't even flapping its wings, just hanging out. It was Interesting. The it was the coolest thing ever. Um, cool. I think I'm going shark. Shark. I like the water. Yeah. Also scared of heights, so flying wouldn't do well for me. Got it. Yeah. Is that it? Uh, there's a second part. I don't know if we want to answer it on air, but it's a bonus question. Would you do this randomly or choose which parts of the population got annihilated? Now I get to choose? I'd Basically, go, you get to be a I'd go one by one. guy. I'd go one by one on Facebook. <laughs> I'd just go start alphabetical. If you have a private profile, you're instantly saved. Public profiles only. How would I do it? I'd start with my enemies. Start with Aaron, <laughs> A-A-R-O-N, and then we'll just go down alphabetically one by one. Yes, no, yes, You could no. do it. You know what I would do? Because they, I would like all of the A's because they got to go first in line so many times. The Altman. It's like, yeah, how do you like that, Altman? <laughs> <laughs> See, and I was just, sorry. You're just going A, just all the first 13 letters of the alphabet, dusted. No, because I'm an H. No, so I was an H. <laughs> and sometimes they'd do the end of the alphabet. So like, because they'd be like, it's not fair because we always do the A's. And then the Z's would get to go to the front of the line. So you're going A through G. And then you're going like Z up. H is first, dude. Well, whoever asked this question, what's your last name? Now you know <laughs> if you got turned to dust or not. Yeah. Cool. All right, sick. That's all we got. Great. Just Justin, be clear. what did you think we were going to say Just that we clear. couldn't put it on air, Justin? I loved that I, question. Um, so like he was trying to fish for like a, a genocide answer. For like yeah, some sort of region or race. Hey, can we get more questions like that? I actually <laughs> genuinely love them. Seriously.
All right, we're going to hop over to Patreon now. If you guys would like to join us, Justin, what do we have? So we're going to be talking about um, dealing with a control freak, how to measure your own charisma, and then dealing with approach anxiety with women. And we've got 50 mm. of these episodes in the bank. So if you and join. much more than that, right? There's like 27 other questions. Oh, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got like, yeah, we've got a bunch Any of questions. Any question that you want is probably in the Patreon <laughs> vault at this point. What we need to do is catalog them. Yeah, so if you'd like to check that out, it's essentially if you like the podcast and want more, we just do it again, but guided by our patrons' Your questions. questions. So if you'd like to check it out, hop on over there, and we hope to see you there. It keeps us going, keeps money in Justin's pocket, and we appreciate it, all of you for doing it. Either way, see you guys later. Peace. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.